speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Well, the gospel lesson for today comes from the only miracle of Jesus that's recorded by all four gospel writers. The feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. You can find the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No other story like that is in all four. It's interesting to notice this because John has a lot of material that the other Gospels don't have. It was written last, and John likely didn't want to just repeat the same material that he knew was already out there. So a good question to ask then is why? Why did John include this one? It seems like John wanted to present the same story that the others did. That he knew everybody already knew, but this time bringing out a little more clearly an element of what Jesus was trying to do. John, go remember, lived to a ripe old age. And by the time he wrote his gospel, he'd been thinking for a lifetime about what he'd seen and heard when he followed Jesus as a young man. So what then, for John, was Jesus really trying to do when he fed the 5,000? You might say. He was feeding hungry people who hadn't brought their lunch along to hear him preach. That's true. But you can bet they all got hungry again in a few hours. Like I would. Yes, he was showing that he wasn't just an ordinary man. That's true too. John tells us that when the crowds realized the miracle that Jesus had done, they said to each other, This is indeed the prophet who was to come into the world. But what else was Jesus doing? You see, John is an old man, knowing that Jesus had risen from the dead and was alive in his body, the church, looked back at what happened in those old days and saw everything that Jesus had sent and done as a little bit like a diamond, a beautiful, well-cut diamond, where you turn it around and every time you do, you see more meaning and beauty. John was wise. We should see everything that Jesus said and did this way, turning it around to light and pondering in our hearts, like the Bible says Mary did. Indeed, we should see the whole story of the Bible this way. That's why we read the same text, like this one, year in and year out. Read the Bible at home or in Sunday school or small the more we do, the more we will become wise and full of Christ's love, like John's. So what did he see then in this miracle? Well, by the time we pick up the story, we hear Jesus saying something that he doesn't actually say in any of the other gospel accounts. They don't record this part. John records Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be 
morning that I think Jesus is showing us in this miracle. First, I want us to notice that Jesus is giving his people bread. Not just spiritual bread, but actual physical bread. The kind that fills up your bellies, makes kids grow big strong. It's not all he gives, but it's also not less. And it's important to notice that that is where Jesus starts. More than that, Jesus gives us not only the bread that fills up our bellies, but also the bread of life. This bread is nothing other than Jesus himself. I want, second, then to look at how this bread fills us with life and saves us from the despair that leads to death. Let's start with bread. You may have heard this story before. But I heard a story once of a fellow who was becoming a Catholic. And he was getting used to what Catholics like the Italians believe about Holy Communion. That is, as bread and wine have become for us the body and blood of Christ. He said, the trouble I have is believing that it's Jesus. Sure, I, I can believe that God can do anything, that he wants to show up in person and be with us. The trouble that I have is believing that those little round wafers gives us action. Well, let me assure you that Jesus fed the 5,000 with actual loaves of normal-looking bread instead of little round wafers, which I'm pretty sure were not meant It's a funny story with the point. When we come to communion on Sundays, the special little wafers with crosses stamped in them, you only see at church, right? You don't see them anywhere else in the bakery. Well, they might make us forget that what we're receiving is actual food, real bread made out of flour. God isn't just interested, I think this shows us, in giving us spiritual food. He also gives us physical food, the kind that stays our home and helps us grow. Jesus does this kind of thing, in fact, again and again in the Gospels. He heals the sick. He gives sight to the blind. He feeds the hungry, and he sets the captives free. He commands us to go and do likewise, saying that whoever has given even a cup of cold water to one of his little children has given it to him. In the tradition of the church, following Jesus in this way has been called the corporal acts of mercy. Corporal acts of mercy. I wonder if you've ever heard of them. They're named usually as these seven. Feeding the hungry. Giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, sheltering the homeless, the traveler, the refugee, visiting the sick and the imprisoned, and burying the dead. A church that does these things, that follows Jesus in the bodily, corporal acts of mercy, is a community that shines with the merciful love of Jesus. Jesus held out his hand to people. And show them love and mercy in their place of greatest suffering, need, and loneliness. Emily and I see people here doing that for each other all the time. People coming alongside their brothers and sisters when they need it most. And when I see it or hear it, I know that the love of Christ is living at in this community. We have to do it. If people are going to believe what we said, don't we? 
If Jesus had just preached sermons about love and mercy without actually showing active love and mercy, then who would believe it? It's the same with us. Who would believe what we say about God and Christ if we didn't live it out with one another and in our neighborhoods? Jesus started here giving people bread and social. That's the first lesson. But the second lesson today is that Jesus didn't stop there, and neither should we. This is what St. John, in particular, among the gospel writers, wants us to know. It seems that some people at the time stopped short at the physical healing and provision that Jesus gave. Their bellies were full, their ailments were healed, and so they just went on their way. That was enough for them. But that isn't all that Jesus wanted to give them. He wanted them to open their eyes and to see in Him the source not just of bread, but of life itself. He wanted them to open their ears and hear in His words not just practical wisdom for daily life, but the very words of God. Remember that Jesus said, tempted in the wilderness by the devil, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I think sometimes, and I include myself in this, we Christians are embarrassed by these parts, or at least don't really know how to do it. We're comfortable enough giving people bread, but we shy away at giving people the bread of life. We'll give people water, but we're a little leery of inviting people to drink from the stream of living water. Of course, if we're following Jesus, we have to be bold. Yes, with respect and patience. Yes, without coercion or fear-mongering. Those types of things have given an invitation to Christ's enemy. But Jesus invited people all the time to look through the bread and the water and the healing that Offered and see in them the gift of forgiveness and salvation and eternal life that he wants to give them. As followers of Jesus, we're called to do the same. What is then this great life? Well, I can say lots of things about it. Go on and on. But first and foremost, before anything else, I want us to see that it's the bread of forgiveness, of new life, of, as John says in chapter 3, being born again by the grace of God. We see this in the story of Elijah today. I think Elijah's story shows us something of how guilt and bondage to sin can sometimes lead us to despair, to self-hatred even. Even to the point of wanting life to end. Don't miss it in this story. Elijah had come to a very dark place. He actually asked God that he might die. It is enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. What does God do to this? Well, he gives Elijah bread to eat, doesn't he? God shows Elijah by giving him bread that he wants him to live, that his sins and 
self-doubt don't have to define him and hold him in bondage forever. The bread of forgiveness gives Elijah new life. And when he is forgiven by God, Elijah eats and drinks, and he gets up out of his despair, and he goes forward in the good strength of God's grace. A young friend of mine had come to a similar point in his life a few years ago. This friend of mine struggled with addiction and anger, and he had spiraled down eventually to a very dark place, where he began to think that he had so disappointed his family that he could never live them back, and that he was beyond hope of ever changing. While home alone one day, he decided to end it. But before he did it, he called his son. She told him before he went to did anything to go over to a journal that she kept by her bedside. Just open it up and read it. It was full of prayers for him and Bible verses that she had lifted up for him to God in his life. He opened it up and there he read it. Behold, blessed is the one who God reproves. Therefore despise not the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he binds up. For he shatters, but his hands heal. He also read there, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. He found there, in that place, in that moment, through the love of his mother and the love of the Lord of God, the promise of forgiveness and new life that God offered him by grace and merciful love, no matter what. God opened his heart to receive that gift that day. And he testifies now that his life was saved. And that the gift of new and transformed life since then was real. And far better than anything that he had ever imagined possible. You see, brothers and sisters, the bread of forgiveness is new life. The forgiveness that Jesus offers us is the bread of life. It saves and heals and lifts us up. Today, we're celebrating God's gift of forgiveness and new life in the baptism of Thomas the Second. God promises in His Word to cleanse them from sin and lift them up to new life, eternal life, in Christ Jesus our Savior and Lord. Of course, Thomas Seventy will have no idea that this is what God is doing. They'll just think they'll, they're getting a little wet and they are hungry. But their parents, with their godparents and all of us in the church coming alongside them, will promise to raise them up, both with the bread that fills their bellies. That is, 
countless meetings, bottles, diamonds, and all the rest. And also the bread of life. That they may know one day the breadth and depth of God's love for them. And God's merciful forgiveness that's there for them whenever they fall. May we all then, like my young friend's mother, offer this bread to Thomas and Stephanie as they grow big and strong and filled up with the grace and love of God. May we offer it also to one another as we care for each other in our times of need, as we forgive one another and ask each other for forgiveness. May we offer it to our neighbor and to our everybody that we need. And in all of this, may God reach out his hands to a hungry world with the love and mercy of Christ, who fills us both with bread for our bellies and with the bread of new life itself. Thanks to God.